DraftKings has built a really cool contest for our listeners this week. You can't lose. It's a $3 entry fee, and everyone at least gets their money back. You can also win a lifetime Fantasy Pro subscription and tons of cash prizes. If this is your first time playing, you get a free entry, plus the guaranteed cash prize. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, this is the perfect opportunity to give it a try because there's no risk since you can't lose, and the prizes are great. All you have to do to enter is go to fantasypros.com slash DraftKings. Tags and I are going to be joining this, so see if you can beat us. Get your hands on some of the cash prizes, or even win a lifetime Fantasy Pro subscription by going to fantasypros.com slash DraftKings for this week's contest. All right, let's talk some football. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, as always, with Mike Tagliere, who I just found out hasn't played foosball since he was a kid. That's ridiculous, Tag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's really true. And I, I don't know, I didn't realize that that was like a thing to be ashamed of, but uh, I was reminded of that this weekend when we had that that meetup where I got to meet a, a lot of our followers, and our, our guest was there too. Um, he unfortunately wasn't there for the foosball portion, but I was made fun of for not having played foosball since I was like, I don't know, maybe like eight years old. That's just incredible i don't know how that happens and uh he's not going to tell you this so i have to uh i have to go ahead and step up and and tell you guys he walked up to the shuffleboard table instead of the foosball table (laughs) because he didn't know the difference (laughs) no i kid you not i like where does one play foosball on a regular basis that's my question there's not even a ball in shuffleboard though i mean come on (laughs) (laughs) So our guest today, you heard him. It's Andy Barons of Yahoo Sports. Give him a follow on Twitter at Andy Barons. That's B-E-H-R-E-N-S. Andy, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. It's always it's great to be on with you guys, actually. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Um, so guys, I want to talk about Tom Brady. I mean, he spent most of his career on the injury report. But when I see AC joint sprint on a quarterback, let alone a 40-year-old quarterback, has me a little worried. Do you think Brady owners should be a little concerned, Andy? Um, no, not, uh, not unusually concerned. Uh, it's an injury to his non-throwing shoulder, right? Um, we expect him certainly to play through this. It's not like he, not like there's some great mobility rushing element to his game. Um, Tom Brady has certainly at this point in his career learned to, uh, manage pain, manage around nagging injuries. So I, I clearly, if this were a, an injury to his throwing shoulder, we should be a little bit panicky, but, uh, but no, I'm not, this isn't the sort, I mean, what are you going to do? Downgrade him from QB one to QB three, right? Like it's, it's just <laughs> really hard point, to, yeah. you, you know, it might be, it might be a, a DFS debate. It might be a rankings debate, but I, if I'm a Tom Brady owner, I'm not, I'm not unusually rattled by this. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to chime in real quick on this, Bobby, just because like it's interesting. Right. And I think Andy nailed it right in the head saying that it's a DFS debate more than it is a season long because you're playing Tom Brady. Right. But real quick note on that uh, against the Jets in my research this week, it was I found it really interesting. So over the last four years against the Jets, the Jets haven't really been a good team in a long time. So it's not like they were a great team and this is affecting the numbers. No. In New York, Tom Brady, over the last four years, has averaged just 231 passing yards per game, one touchdown, and almost one interception per game. So that's obviously not great. And again, going back at home against the Jets, he averages 254 yards passing, 2.3 touchdowns, and has not thrown an interception. So there might be something to this, like, on top of the fact that the shoulder... I think it's more concerning about the the Patriots offensive line because coming into the game against the Buccaneers, the Bucs, I want to say, had one sack 
in their first three games before playing the Patriots, and they were constantly getting pressure on Tom Brady. So I think that's the bigger concern. Losing Gronk was not ideal, um, but still, I I think it's a week to probably avoid Tom Brady and DFS. Uh, The the reason I asked, I mean, I've got probably a dozen questions about Tom Brady and if they should be concerned. I'm like, okay, maybe I should look at this again. Is there something I'm missing here? Because I don't get a dozen questions about something random like that. So it's just kind of strange. I've also been getting a ton of questions about dropping guys like Terrell Pryor or even Matt Ryan. I mean, I wouldn't recommend dumping either. And I actually think Matt Ryan is the player to buy right now based on his future Mm -hmm. schedule. But I want to pick your brain, Andy. I I will just say, those are also guys coming off bye weeks, right? Like, why on earth are you dropping somebody off of a bye week? (laughs) That is a great question. Yeah, I I don't understand. Um, But like, when do you consider the right time to drop a guy like that where we spent a fifth, sixth, or even fourth round pick like Pryor, who's just struggling so much? Um, well, I, I will say that um, almost as soon as your draft is over, you have to let go of where you drafted people. Right? Okay. I mean, that's the that's the NFL each season. I mean, you're if you're if you're still hanging on to this idea, you know, like I have just whiffed so badly this year on Isaiah Crowell and I'm pretty close to, you know, where I where I own him. It tends to be deeper leagues where he's not exactly droppable. But, you know, if I if I owned Isaiah Crowell and I don't, I don't even I don't even think I'm playing an eight man league anymore. Right. But if I yeah. was, if I owned him in an eight man <laughs> or a 10 man league, I would be totally open to dropping him despite the fact that I probably took him inadvisably early third round fourth round right like you just have to let that go and um I you know you have to be willing to let stuff like that go you know incredibly early in the season and in in football it's it's entirely unlike baseball right like I don't know if if, I don't know that many of your listeners necessarily are like three sport fantasy players but it's just a just a very different game and the NFL reshuffles itself each year in ways that other sports do not um, Pryor is not the guy that I would be dropping though. You know, like he finally showed a little bit of a spark before the bye. They had the bye week to, you know, I, not that a bye week fixes everything, but obviously right. we're able to work on some, some new things, um, during a bye. I, like now is not the time that I would, that I would actually cut him loose. Not when, not when you finally had a glimmer of hope. And when he's playing against the 49ers this week, yeah, because Terrell yeah. Pryor is he's he's a wide receiver too this week, guys. Like I, I'm not a I'm not a Pryor fan. I've mentioned that in the show before, but um, going against the 49ers, uh, they've already allowed six top 24 performances to wide receivers, and two of the wide receivers that like completely demolished them were T.Y. Hilton and Sammy Watkins. Both are speed guys, and obviously we know if there's one thing that Terrell Good Pryor call. does offer, it's great speed. So I think uh, Terrell Pryor get him into lineups as a wide receiver too this week, and prepare to sell him after a good performance. You know the the sense. Washington receiver that I was so high on coming into the year was Crowder, um, and he's probably you know he's he'd been kicked to the curb in a million leagues. I think he's right? hurt. He's hurt. Yeah, he's came, in, be. came into the came into the season injured, playing through it. Couldn't even sniff a target until that ridiculous game-ending play a couple weeks ago, right? Like that's that's just been where I that's one of my biggest whiffs, and I've had many whiffs this season. That's one of my biggest ones. That's the one that doesn't make any sense to me though, because he was like the safest play out there. I don't understand what happened with him. Like I said, I think it's injury. Yeah, I thought so as well, and I, I think you're right. I think it's as simple as the the injury being a much bigger deal than uh, and him being unable to him being unable to separate. Him not having, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's borderline <laughs> tragic for me, right? Because I'm so heavily invested in him. He was the guy, he was like the one remaining guy that had rapport with uh, with Kirk Cousins. And yeah. uh, it's just not happening. We've all got a handful of players like that this year. And we're all getting blasted for it on Twitter. But, you know, there's 150 players to predict. 
we're going to get at least a handful of them wrong. So sorry, guys. I wish we could do perfect, but it's just uh, the facts of life. If we did, if we were perfect, I mean, I think we'd all be millionaires playing DFS, right? That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would not be getting paid to, to analyze it on Yahoo, right? I would be. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dax, you said on the previous show that you had a buy low and a sell high player. I mentioned Matt Ryan. My favorite buy low, though, is Alshon Jeffrey. He's seen top tier corner coverage for most of the season. Who are your guys' tags? If I can just say, I, I love Alshon as a um, as a buy low because I'm sure that people are frustrated off last week's game. But he's a you yeah. Know, it's that full. It's that full combination. Like the team context is great, right? Like the offense is absolutely humming. Um, it was great. You know, they obviously are coming off the game against Patrick Peterson. Peterson has locked down everyone so far of this course. year, not yeah. just Jeffrey. Um, now you don't have to worry about that on the horizon anymore. I, I think you're just dead on right on Jeffrey. I mean, it, it, the he's going to be a heavily targeted receiver in an offense that is just, you know, printing yards and points for us. So I think that's a really good call. So Andy, what kind of like running back or wide receiver would you deal to get Jeffrey? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, probably somebody in the Mark Ingram level. I feel like okay. there's a lot of bullishness for Ingram. Like, I don't know, I was tweeting about this a little bit yesterday. Like I, to, to me, um, Adrian Peterson getting traded does not move the needle for Ingram Agree. or Kamara at all because I loved him already. Um, and, and Peter, you know, Peterson again, played six snaps in a game that his team led 20 to nothing, you know, like you're never going to get better game script for Adrian Peterson. And he barely played, he was barely a rumor. So Ingram is what he is. I think there is a segment of the fantasy universe. That's like, aha, he took a, he took a huge jump in value. He gets all those Adrian Peterson touches, but I don't know <laughs> I, what, what were those going to be three, four, you know, um, I don't think there's a huge jump there. So that, that feels like the right level level for me. I love that call. Yeah, I still think I think Alshon Jeffrey was a good call. Uh, you know, his schedule, most people don't realize he matched up with Josh Norman, Marcus Peters, Janoris Jenkins, <laughs> Casey Hayward and Patrick Peterson. Amazing. Um, and his schedule. Yeah, his schedule coming up. He's going to play the Panthers, which it's, it's an OK matchup. The Redskins again, but they're going to be without Josh Norman, who's out for four weeks and then the 49ers. So considering he's gotten 38 targets through five games with those cornerbacks on him, it bodes well for his future projection and the fact that they really don't have a run game. Um, one player that I would open be open to selling right now is Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Fitzgerald, there's a lot of people that kind of look at overall numbers and they're like, oh, you know, he's a wide receiver one. You know, why would I trade him? But here's the issue is that Larry Fitzgerald over the past couple of years has really, you know, kind of fallen off as the season's gone on. It's, it's what happens with older wide receivers, you know. And if you kind of look at Fitzgerald uh, under a microscope, he really had one good game against the Cowboys where he saw 15 <laughs> targets. He went off in that game. Every single matchup he's had through the season to this point has been a really good one on paper. You're right. But he but he's really only had one good game. And I'm not going to sit here and say you trade him away for absolutely nothing. But I think if you can get somewhere close to to low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two volume in like a PPR format, I would do that. Um, I just feel like with John Brown getting back healthy with them trading for Peterson, which it is what it is. I don't. I don't think Adrian Peterson has much value behind this this crap offensive line that the Cardinals have. Um, but with John Brown getting healthy, with J.J. Nelson getting healthy, with Jerron Brown, you know, making a name for himself in this offense. I just think that Larry Fitzgerald continues to trend down and you could sell him on name value right now alone. Yeah. I think he's a good sell. Um, but I think you guys talked about Mark Ingram. And I, I do want to mention that I liked him as a buy before this because most people don't realize, and you guys are right, I don't think that the trade really impact, impacted Mark Ingram very much at all because Mark Ingram has played 62% of the snaps this year, or 52%. That's a lot. Last year, 
Yeah, last year he yeah. played 46%. Wow. So he's actually playing, he's already played more this year than he did last year. He just hasn't had very many scoring opportunities, which has, have, have made his numbers look worse. What this did for me was made Alvin Kamara a strong candidate going forward. And the reason I say that, Andy, you, you talked about Adrian Peterson getting the six snaps. I think this is more of like a, a, a security thing for me. Because anytime that I would put Alvin Kamara in my lineup, I would never feel completely confident with it. Because, you know, with Adrian Peterson talking in the media, with them signing them for, <laughs> for as much as they did and kind of looking at everything, it's like, is there ever going to be a game where they're just like, you know, what, we're going to see what Adrian Peterson has and, and give him 10 to 15 carries yeah. in this game. That was always a concern in the back of my mind, whereas now... I don't have that concern. I think Alvin Kamara in PPR leagues is an every single week RB2, RB3 option who offers bigger splash play potential than Mark Ingram. So I think Alvin Kamara is a buy, but don't go trading away Amari Cooper for for Kamara. I don't do that. Alvin Kamara or Derrick Henry tags? Kamara, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I had a couple yep. people. Two people asked me that on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Um, I, I feel like the Ingram people ought to be kind of looking over their shoulder a little bit at Kamara because every uh, like every game so far, not only does he pass the eye test, but he looks like the more dynamic player. He's better. But, and yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, we I mean, we know what kind of ridiculous athlete he is. Right. Um, and that goes away in time. But I mean, the, I feel like the gap between Kamara and, and uh, Ingram right now is pretty substantial. He's got huge potential. Let's just say Ingram goes down. Would Kamara be a top eight running back? Um, it's yeah, it's it's possible. I would expect the Saints to. Um, I mean, what do they have on the roster left? Trey Edmonds, right? Like, I I always expect the the Saints to incorporate additional backs, um, even even if they're guys that we've barely heard of and barely seen. So yeah. I, th- I think yeah. they probably <laughs> want to keep Kamara in the in the role that he has now. They just get they get so comfortable with that. But of course, we have there have been stretches due to multiple injuries um, previously in the Sean Payton era, you know, Pierre Thomas for that magical half season comes to mind. There have been times where one guy just gets so much run. Um, that Tim that Hightower, is, uh, when he had to take over in yeah, those final right, two playoff right. weeks, yeah. Right, that those guys emerge as like top 10, top 12 plays. Yeah, and Bobby, before we move on, Bobby, I wanted to mention, uh, you had Alshon Jeffrey as a buy. I gave you my sell in Fitzgerald, but one more buy, I want to say, Mike Gillisley. Go out there and trade for Mike Gillisley right now, because if you were to guarantee me that you can get 12 carries a game in the Patriots offense and all of the goal line work, you're, you mean to tell me that you wouldn't buy a running back who is being sold right now for peanuts? Um, would you trade Fitzgerald like this is a guy, for him? Like, I would, yes, I absolutely. Well, it, it, it really depends on your team, right? And that's where it trades, it really gets really dicey because there are certain teams that have, are stacked at running back and don't really need to trade for Mike Gillisley. Yeah. But it's it's highly unlikely that you have three running backs in your team that I like more than I like Mike Gillisley. I think this week against the Jets is one where he scores a touchdown, maybe two. Uh, and if you go back to last year, LeGarrette Blunt, there were three games that he didn't score a touchdown in the entire season. Mike Gillisley hasn't, <laughs> wow. hasn't scored the last couple of weeks, and that's what I'm saying. It's going to get back on track. They're using him um, in a lot of these positive game scripts. The defense got better last week. Uh, if their defense gets even slightly better than it's been over the first quarter of the season, Mike Gillisley is going to start to see more and more carries. And again, he hasn't seen fewer than 12 carries in a game. And if you guarantee the goal line work for the Patriots, you, sh- you belong as an RB2 in fantasy lineups. Yeah, that, like, that three touchdowns game really happened that was you know we, 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 I know it seems like it's forever ago right because it was week one but that really happened within the context of this season and that is still part of the the appeal that Gillisley has of course he hasn't caught a pass yet which is a 
a small <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a knock. <laughs> um, but but really, how many running backs are, are there out there that you actually feel confident inserting in your lineup every week? I mean, you can't say yeah. that about Marshawn Lynch. You can't say that about Amir Abdullah, Joe Mixon, DeMarco Murray. All these guys, I would much rather have Gillisley because he offers you a much higher ceiling than those guys. That's totally a good agree. take, man. You convinced me. You big time convinced me there. Okay, so we're going to move over and talk about our rankings in just a second. But first, Tag says a word from today's sponsor, Bombfell.com. For sure, guys. You Again, you guys are busy, just like us. I mean, that's why you're listening to a podcast. You're probably on your way to work. You know, maybe you're taking your kid to daycare. I don't know. I know how it goes. <laughs> but what I can tell you is that we do not have time to go out and shop for our own clothes. Bombfell is a solution to that problem. I had no idea that companies like this existed. Otherwise, I would have used them a long time ago. But all you do is you go to bombfell.com. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com forward slash fantasy pros. You sign up for free. They're going to ask you about the current style of clothes that you wear. And if you want to veer off in a completely different direction, you get to set budgets that are strictly for you. You can say, I- I- I'm willing to spend this much per outfit, whatever. From From there, you can either pick clothes that you like or you can let a stylist choose for you. That's right. They give you your own stylist. Yes, I've been wearing Adidas jumpsuits forever, so I decided to let (laughs) my stylist, Jasmine, help me out with a completely new style. She sent me a preview just to make sure I was okay with her choices. The clothes were at my door two days later. The customer service was hands down the best part of it. When you receive your clothes, you have seven days to tell them what you want to keep. Send back the rest absolutely free. And they actually give you a return label so that you don't have to do any work yourself. I cannot say enough good things about the VIP treatment that I received from them. So do me a favor. Go to bombfell.com forward slash fantasy pros while you're at work today. Check them out and let me know what you think. By putting in our link, which is again, bombfell.com forward slash fantasy pros, you will receive an automatic $25 off your first order. Again, bombfell.com, bombfell. Open and close. That's a really cool concept, man. So now you're only wearing Puma tracksuits and it's changed your life. <laughs> oh, God. the Puma. <laughs> That's what I moved on from. Back in the day, it was like Adidas to Puma. And then I, I was like, no, I like Adidas. I went back to Adidas. And I, I still rock. I'm sitting actually in my pair of black Adidas pants with my red stripes on them. They're like my favorite Adidas pants. I'm wearing jorts right now. Actually, I'm not. My <laughs> wife threw out my jorts. I used to wear jorts every single week to softball. If you guys don't know what that is, it's jean shorts. Like, you know, you take your jeans and you cut them. And whenever I wear jeans, they always like mine tear right above the knees because my thighs are just too big. Yeah. And uh, so I had to cut them pretty short. And I used to wear them to softball and I ripped them, you know, running out in the outfield. So they got thrown away and I don't have any more jorts. Sad story. I'm, I'm with you. I feel a real man um, makes his own shorts. I like that. <laughs> yes. Bobby, stop, stop wearing so tight of jeans that you're tearing your jeans. That's, that's, that's what I need to take away from this because Bobby is not a very big person. We, do we think Bobby is wearing skinny jean jorts? I'm that's, definitely that's not exactly wearing skinny jeans. The, the problem is they don't make <laughs> jeans that like fit me. That's, that's why Bombfell makes sense is because like they tailor your clothes. Like I'm looking for someone who can make jeans that like work for my body. I've got like a 27 inch waist and these big thighs. It, it doesn't work. So I might have to try them out. <laughs> and by the way, Bombfell is spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L. Um, I, you know, you could take that any different way. So I uh, just want to make sure you guys knew how to spell that. Bombfell.com yeah, for sure. slash fantasy pros. Okay, so moving on to our rankings, we'll be covering players who are right on the cusp of starting in standard 10 and 12 team leagues. So running backs in the, you know, 18 to 30 range and so forth. We're going to go one position at a time. We'll start at quarterback. Andy, I don't know what to make of Derek Carr coming off the injury. What can you tell us about him coming back? 
oh yeah um i i hate this right <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I hate the mm-hmm. nature of the injury um i hate the the you know the likelihood of of potential re-injury maybe maybe it's not that high we actually on fantasy football live on sundays we have uh an orthopedist who comes in dr greg horner he gives his take on uh on uh players who are currently injured players who have suffered injuries of sort of unknown severity and he was super optimistic about Derek Carr coming back. You know, he didn't seem to think that it was impossible that he would have played last week. He certainly doesn't, you know, he gave a timeline of, of probably coming back this week. It's certainly a huge benefit to all the skill players associated with the, with the Oakland offense. Um, I'm, my nature is to be really skeptical of, of players coming back from injuries or playing players who are playing through injury. That's, that's Especially really what's after going what Bradford did last week, right? Yeah, um, and that's so fresh in your mind, and that was so. And obviously, these are very different situations. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worried about it. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that he's going to go. They certainly seem very optimistic about it. Um, I have not ranked him very aggressively. I've certainly not ranked him as I would a healthy Derek Carr. I'm, I'm worried. I, I don't hate the matchup. You know, like, like the matchup seems super friendly to me. Chargers have allowed plenty of uh, passing touchdowns on the air, but uh, I'm, I'm a little panicky right now. It would have to be, have to be a pretty deep league uh, before you know this sort of situation where my alternatives to Carr would be like Hogan, Trubisky, you know, Eli, dreadful, dreadful alternatives like that yeah. before I'd, before I'd you know, before I would, uh, I would play him. I'm, I'm with Andy on this one. I, I wouldn't play Derek Carr if I could help it this week. And the reason I say that is because even if he does play, the matchup's not bad, but it's even better for Marshawn Lynch, where I don't think they want to throw the ball yeah. a whole lot. And that's that's the issue with Derek Carr, right? Is that even going back to last year, they just don't have him throw a whole lot of attempts. And, you know, the Chargers, the way that you beat them is on the ground. They've allowed Might be the easiest team to run against. It's true. I mean, like, that's the thing is like over the last three weeks, the fantasy points that they've allowed to running back positions, 28.6 PPR points, 37.5 and 35.9. Oh, and the, like, man. Most recently, that was the Giants. The Giants ran for 144 <laughs> yards and a touchdown against some guys like obviously Marshawn Lynch is going to be a play. But um, I think Derek Carr helps Marshawn Lynch. I believe it or not. Having him in the lineup does help because the Chargers aren't able to stick, you know, eight, nine men in the box against EJ Manuel. Uh, so, I mean, again, I just think that the ceiling is not high enough for me to play Derek Carr, even if he is on the field. If I can just co-sign on something that uh, that Mike just said, um, I I never feel better about the running back when like a really good starting quarterback goes down. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if I just think that the offense as a whole is not gonna is not gonna be as productive, is not gonna score as many points, you know, is not gonna sustain drives. That doesn't make me feel better about the running back attached to that offense for sure. So I'm looking at ECR right now, and uh, I agree completely with who the top 12 are. I'm not saying in order, but like the guys from 8 to 12 here, Matthew Stafford at New Orleans, Jameis Winston at Arizona. I don't love the matchup, but Mm. it's Jameis Winston. Carson Wentz at Carolina. Carson Palmer faced Tampa Bay and Philip Rivers at Oakland. Are they, there any of these that stand out to you as, ooh, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable starting him? Or do you guys agree that, you know, those are the top 12 guys? Um, I'll, I'll say that the, the name that I would like to insert in there, but we obviously can't because he's, it's a, it's a wonderful matchup. It's a dreadful situation because he's like half injured is, is Marcus Mariota. Like, yeah, I, I want to rank him above almost all of these guys, mm-hmm. um, except for, except for Stafford. Um, and certainly a healthy Mariota, I would, um, it's just, I'm getting, I'm getting tweets. I'm getting questions from people where, uh, it's the, the alternative to Mariota, obviously, if he can't go is Matt Castle. And that's, you know, you're just you're <laughs> torpedoing your fantasy week, right? Like, I don't want to do that. Um, but I, I want to recommend him 
so bad. And so th- this is this is just one of those situations where these Friday and Saturday practice reports are going to mean so much to me um, because I want to elevate Mariota over all these guys. I'm I'm not that confident in uh, in Winston in particular, and maybe I some agree. of that is just the echo of the the previous game. But but I'm looking at the other guys behind him. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to start uh, Ben Roethlisberger at Kansas City? Over uh, Jameis Winston? No. Trevor Simeon. That's the, the, the guys that have the great matchups are like Josh McCown. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. exactly how high am I going to go on Josh McCown? <laughs> yeah. I mean, know? like Matt, Matt well, Castle. I think I would probably start Taylor Gabriel in the Superflex over Matt Castle. <laughs> oh, God. That's ugly. That's ugly, man. Um, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, I, I I feel weird about him this week, right? Because it's Arrowhead Stadium. It's always it's a tough place to play. They've they've allowed twenty points to the Eagles and the Redskins there this year, so it wasn't like an outbreak on offense. Which, by the way, those teams have been playing really well on offense. But it's not. It doesn't feel like the same Kansas City defense that we've seen, right? Like yeah. Marcus Peters doesn't look like he's playing very well. Terrence Mitchell has been beating like getting beaten like a drum. And Ben Roethlisberger, it's like how much do we take into fact like that he had like a learning lesson that he just went through uh, and we. Week five, like targeting Antonio Brown 18 times and throwing into double coverage, triple coverage sometimes to try and force the ball. I mean, last year against the Chiefs that were playing much better at that time, um, Ben Roethlisberger threw for 300 yards and five touchdowns against them. Now, granted, that was at home. But Andy, how do you feel about Roethlisberger this week? Is like, there is there anything to it that this this Chiefs defense just isn't what it once was? Oh, I I think that's definitely true. I, you know, I think the loss of Barry began the began the process, and then you, you're right. Peters is getting cooked, yeah. um, pretty pretty consistently, yeah. right? Like every week, he's screaming at people on the sidelines. Like we we can't think of him as the same sort of you know shutdown caliber uh, corner anymore. I'm a little bit shook by by Ben's comments coming out of the. Yeah. <laughs> the Jacksonville yeah, game, right? It's just not how often do you hear a quarterback say, Yeah, maybe I'm done. I, <laughs> you know, Imagine like, Tom Brady saying that. Yeah, right. Like Brady is out here saying, Yeah, I'm gonna play until I'm 60, 62, <laughs> something like that. And and Ben is like, eh, yeah, I might be I might be cooked. Jaguars um, have had that effect on people though. I mean, they've got two guys benched yes. and then Ben Roethlisberger questioning his life. So it's, it's just a, it's <laughs> yeah, a good like defense. In Kansas City, I think they're in the bottom quadrant of past defenses. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So I, I found Ben particularly difficult to rank this week. I've put him in the middle of the pack, which is just sort of the most hedgy, non-committal ranking <laughs> possibly. You know, like it's 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 a matchup that I feel good about, and I could build a case for him to be for being a top twelve quarterback this week. I I just it would help me a lot to in the process of building that case if he had actually had a single quality game this year. Right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's starting to weigh on me. Tags, are there any other quarterbacks you want to hit up that, uh, you know, maybe if you need a deep pickup, is there anyone? Would you play Josh McCown if you didn't have a better option? I think that Jacoby Brissett is probably available in just as many leagues as Josh McCown is, and I'd probably play Brissett against the Titans. Uh, the Titans this year have allowed three top eight quarterback performances, and they're a team that plays a lot of uh, man coverage. And as I, I talked about it on last week's show, uh, saying that when a defense plays in man coverage, what happens a lot of times is the cornerbacks and the DBs will have their backs turned while covering a wide receiver, which means they, they won't have their fronts turned to the quarterback, which Jacoby Brissett has been able to to raise his fantasy floor yeah. with his rush, rushing totals. And that's why you've mm-hmm. seen three quarterbacks, including Blake Bortles, Russell Wilson, and Sean Watson run for 24 or more yards against Tennessee. So I think that raises Jacoby Brissett's floor where he's like a really safe QB two that has a QB one ceiling. So as long as T.Y. Hilton's healthy because he was banged up towards the end of that game, um, I actually like Jacoby Brissett um, as a streaming option this week. He's averaging 18 fantasy points over the last three games and he gets Tennessee, who's a good matchup. So, yeah, it makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Just just to put all the guys that we've discussed here in context, I, my my ranks at the position like 14 through 18 go Brissett, Roethlisberger, um, Smith, McCown, Carr. I don't have the faintest idea what to do with McCown. I want to love him, but, you know, he's Josh McCown. So I've got Smith at <laughs> 13. Why do you have uh, Smith quite a bit lower? Is it, you know, Pittsburgh bouncing back and making a statement or? Um, it's just, you know, it's it's three spots lower. And I P- Pittsburgh is one of these dicey um it's one of these tricky matchups for me because I don't mm-hmm. actually like. Obviously, they've been they've been death to the to the you know if you're just, if you're looking purely at year to date numbers, it appears they've been death to the quarterback position to the wide receiver position. Right, the fewest points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. You look at that schedule though, and it's not like they've yep. faced a murderer's row of opposing quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, so do do I expect Smith to do a little something against them? Sure, I do. Um, do I think he has his you know, man, it's weird to talk about Alex Smith this way, but the sort of ceiling that w- he's sort of reset for himself this season, I-, I don't think it's present this week. Is he the MVP? He's on pace for 40 touchdowns and zero interceptions. Well, yeah. if he get play- if he keeps playing like he has been, absolutely, he deserves MVP consideration. Uh, I think Alex Smith has made me a fan this year, but ha- like realistically, how many weapons can you take away from a player and expect him to continue to perform at the level that he's been? Like, he lost, <laughs> yeah, think right. about it. They-, they gave away Jeremy Macklin. They let him go. Now they lost Chris Conley. Spencer Ware was lost at the beginning of the season like Kareem Hunt is obviously played head and shoulders above you have Travis Kelsey who went into the concussion protocol he may not be ready so I mean you could only do so much as a quarterback if you have Tyreek Hill as your only legitimate wide receiver (laughs) and even he is not a number one receiver so that's my concern with Smith I'm with Andy on that where Smith isn't like a locked in QB one for me this week that's that's the other issue with uh, with my current ranking on Smith is I got we got to know what Kelsey, Kelsey, what Kelsey yeah. is sure. this week and if he can play. Yeah. Well, what about Sam Bradford? I mean, I know he looked horrible and like mm. he was his career might be nope, over, but he's not playing. You know, he goes against Green Bay. He's not playing. That's official. He's yeah, not. there's no. I I agree. There's I've ranked Keenum. There's no way Bradford. Yeah, there's okay. no way right? Bradford plays um, this game. He like he auto sacked himself. Yeah, like, yeah. A couple yeah, times last week. I mean, <laughs> just pure fear. Self-destruct. Um, yeah, I I felt terrible. Like it was it was such a, a bad and you know kind of embarrassing. You know he clearly didn't belong out there, and they'd seen him in practice all week, and they still put him out there. That's amazing to me. Um, it's the sort of situation where I'm going to need to see a full clean game from him before I I even rank him again, really. Plus, they get Teddy coming back, and who knows what's going to happen there. I can't figure out what to make of this Baltimore running back backfield. Uh, you know, you got Alex Collins who keeps fumbling the ball. He looks like he's the best, but Allen keeps getting all the touches. Is he startable this week, Andy? Is he startable? Sure, he's startable. Um, the the Bears have been a, a trickier than expected matchup, right? Um, and I don't. I'm I'm not a huge Buck Allen fan. I know there's a, a range of opinions on him, but you know, coming into the season, he had never once been a even a four yard per carry guy. So I I don't think of him as a particularly explosive or efficient runner. Had the one big game against Cleveland. Um, I do accept, though, that there's no way they can trust Collins, uh, it appears, with, you know, 20-plus touches. So I think Allen, just by, by default, is the guy. He's the most likely player in this backfield to get, say, 16 or more touches. So um, on the basis of that alone, um, yes, I, I think he's a, a viable RB2. Yeah, the Bears defense, like a, a lot of people want to attack them, but they they were actually pretty solid against the run before uh, week five happened. And by the way, like keep in mind that the Bears, I want to say it was four of their top six linebackers were out by the end of that game. Um, yeah. So, so that it's it, it was three of five before that were out before the game even started. So you can't take too much away from this. They do get Trevathan back this week from suspension, which helps. But uh, Buck Allen is the one that you would trust because he's the pass catcher. So he's almost like game script proof. And if you think about it, last 
last week, if there's any week that Alex Collins had a game script to follow, it's kind of like going back to what Andy was talking about with Adrian Peterson in that they led the Ravens led throughout that game against the the Raiders. So there would have been no reason not to play uh, Collins more, but they they chose to stick with Buck Allen. So for me, it's it's easily Buck Allen. I don't ever feel confident starting Alex Collins. Um, Buck Allen is kind of like. He's someone that you don't feel great about, but again, you know, this goes back to the running back position. Once you get outside, like maybe the top 15 options, you don't feel great about anybody. So you might as well play the matchups yeah. here and against a banged up Bears defense. Yeah, it's so much more at that at that position in particular. It's just so much more about share about chasing workload than anything else, especially as you're as you say outside the top 10 or 12. Now I'm remembering Chris Thompson a few weeks ago when everyone was like, "Man, he's a must start every single week now," and, uh, <laughs> and now he's clearly not. Just like pretty much every expert in the industry was saying. I'm wondering if the same might be true about Duke Johnson. I like Duke a lot more before the season started, so I'm prone to believe you start him even against Houston, but I'm curious what you think about this one, Andy. Well, there's only, I mean, I mentioned Crowell a bit earlier. There's only so many more weeks where he can continue to average two and a half to three yards a carry and they, and they, and they keep trotting him out there, right? Um, plus, he, you know, he was part of, I don't know who actually got credit for the fumble on that pitch last week, but he certainly could have pulled it in, right? So if you, if you add ball security issues to a guy who was already a remarkably inefficient runner, at some point, they were already giving Duke Johnson uh, touches and goal-to-go situations, even though he wasn't getting very many carries overall. At, at some point, that's got to flip a little bit, and they turn Crowell into a guy who's maybe only getting 10 carries a game instead of 16 or 18 that go for 45 yards, right? Yeah. Like, we can't we can't have very many more weeks of that. So um, it's hard for me not to view Duke as, as, to some extent, an ascending player. He went from getting six rushes in the first three weeks, and now he has 10 in the past two I'm just worried that they might think Matthew Days is the better runner. And if they're giving yeah, up that's if fair. they're giving up Crowell's carries, that maybe Days is the guy that's the hot pickup this time next week. I think it's impossible for them to keep Duke Johnson off the field with the way he's, he's been good, playing. man. Honestly, like you like like think about it. Well, I mean, I know some people are like, well, he's not built to withstand the workload. That's a bunch of crap. If you go back to his games at Miami, yeah, like that's a big agreed. school, right? Miami, where he played college, and he's like the all-time leading rusher there. So obviously <laughs> he, he withstood enough to, to set the records there. So I'm guessing the guy can handle some carries. The the really like what it comes back to is Hugh Jackson being able to admit that he was wrong. Can he do that? Can I mean <laughs> it, it finally <laughs> got to the point with, with Deshaun Kaiser where he had no choice but to you say, yep, I was wrong. We have to go forward with Kevin Hogan. They named Kevin Hogan the starter this week. Rightfully so. I want to see them do the same thing with Crowell. Be like, you know what? We admit our mistakes. We move yeah. on and we're going to play Duke Johnson a lot more going forward. That needs to happen, but he hasn't said it every single week. He gets up in front of that podium and he defends the play of Isaiah Crowell and it, it makes me sick. So I'll, I'll also say that like Duke Johnson isn't, I mean, he's, he's short, but he's, he's his listed weight is like 210 pounds. He's not like some 180, 185 pound back. I mean, right. he's, he's at the fringes of being built to, to sustain a, a huge workload. He's no Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I'll tell you what, watching Kevin Hogan play, I think he can stick it in this league. I think he's a pretty decent quarterback. I'm not saying he's like, you know, going to be fantasy relevant by any means, but I wouldn't be surprised if he performs like a Joe Flacco for the rest of his career. Uh, by the way, Mitch Trubisky deserves so much better than John Fox and Dowell Loggins. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I can only hold it in so long, but I had to mention it uh, that Mitch Trubisky, he's going to be good. Um, I have faith in him. Um 
But yeah, you started talking about quarterbacks. I just got my blood going. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's get back on. Well, topic. he certainly he certainly deserves better than Kendall Wright and Marcus Wheaton and like nothing about his situation. It's is horrible. Exactly yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. Immediate success. My takeaway on that, like, I'm, I'm just gonna say it real quick. So basically, teams for success against the Bears, this is all you have to do. You're gonna blitz the crap out of Trubisky, and the only way <laughs> that the only way that the Bears can can win is that if their wide receiver wide receivers win in man coverage, which cannot happen. So yeah, that it's it's a recipe for disaster, and that's what that's what really stinks about it but um how about i want to ask you guys about legarrett blunt a lot of people tell me i'm wrong on this guy and the fact that he's running better than i thought he would and that might be the case i, I don't know but I, I i still can't trust him i don't want to play him in fantasy lineups he's playing on thursday night this week what do you guys feel about him uh against carolina uh yeah i'll say that i did not rank him particularly aggressively it is a uh, it is a difficult running back matchup obviously i mean carolina Carolina on the year has given up 320 rushing yards to running backs. Wow. Five games. I mean, it's not, you know, so that's like one Jaguars matchup. game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Right. Like, so, um, so not a, not a great matchup for him this week. Not a, clearly not a special runner. I mean, we can, I don't know. That just seems like a, a Philly fan thing to say that, oh yeah, he's, he's running better than he ever has. I don't like, I don't know that he's running better than he ever has. He, he, to my eye, he still looks like the same LeGarrette Blount who needs a pretty significant workload, friendly game script. Um, it helps him to some extent, I guess, that Sproles is off the field, but not to any great extent. We have the Smallwood thing to worry about. I mean, it's possible given the injuries that they have in that backfield that he could fall into, you know, 20 touches this week, which would matter. But um, no, this is this is not an appealing matchup to me at all. I liked Blunt before the season. Uh, I still kind of like him, even though I like Smallwood more. And now that Smallwood's returning, I'm a little worried. But I don't like him in this matchup. I have Blunt outside my top 30 because Carolina's just really good. I think Blunt's going to get maybe, what, 12, 14 rushes. That means we're looking at probably 50, maybe 60 yards. He'll have to get in the end zone. Yeah. Um, I'm just not so sure that they do against Carolina on the ground. So uh, I'm not starting Blunt this week. I'm good with that. Now, one guy I love this week, Elijah McGuire, uh, New York Jets, face the Patriots. Powell's probably going to be out. Forte's probably going to be out. He's going to get a big old workload. Uh, he's got big playability. So I'm definitely starting McGuire. And then two guys I hate. Frank Gore at Tennessee. First of all, I think Marlon Mack has taken over there, and Tennessee's a very good run defense. And then Crowell, he's hardly getting any snaps. We talked about him a little bit. At Houston, there's no way I'm starting him. Um, how close do you have Mac and uh, Gore in the ranks? Do you actually have Mac ahead of him? I've got Mac two spots ahead of Gore. I've got Gore number 36, and I've got Mac 34. That's fair. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, Mac has been a, a rankings challenge for me this week, right? I lo mm -hmm. You loved him in the preseason. Um, the the multi-week absence didn't really seem to dim their enthusiasm for him. I'm I'm always, you know, we, we've I'm sure we've all been burned by declaring the Frank Gore era over at <laughs> different <laughs> points, right? Because he yeah. just he's Rasputin, right? He just never ever goes away. Um, you can poison him, drown him, shoot him; it doesn't matter. He, <laughs> like, he's just he, lurching back into the picture um so I, I i hate to completely eliminate him in a relatively appealing matchup but yeah I'm, I'm with you i don't have mac ahead of him just yet but um maybe i'm just being a coward there well i think i think it comes down i think it comes down to risk reward right i think gore is like the safe play just like oh i don't i, I know he's gonna get you know 12 to 15 carries and i know he'll end up with 40 yards and that's just what frank gore does i actually have mac a couple spots higher as well just because i'm i'll live with the risk reward i understand what the floor is with marlon mac but it's worth it uh, in terms of the ceiling because he's the type of player that can break an 80-yard run for a touchdown, whereas Frank Gore, 
he might break a six yard run and like everybody celebrates. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like yeah. that's where we're at with Frank Gore. I, I, I was looking at his numbers earlier today. Ever since he came to the Colts, he's averaging 3.7 yards per carry. He scored 12 touchdowns on like almost 600 touches or 600 carries. So it's just, yeah, Frank Gore and Andy, you know, everybody was didn't, nobody wanted to get bit by the bug, but I was, I didn't like Frank Gore this year. I don't like him now. I don't, I don't want to play him. Like seriously, he offers you nothing. I, I would rather play Shane Vereen this week than him. And that's, that's one player I wanted to bring up to you guys is what you thought about Shane Vereen. I think some people are overlooking Shane Vereen this week and rightfully so he's Shane Vereen. Um, but, <laughs> but they're, think about it. They're going into Denver. They're going to be without obviously Odell Beckham without Brandon Marshall. They're probably going to be without Sterling Shepard as well. Who's in a walking boot right now. Uh, Wayne Gallman can catch some passes. Sure. But let's not pretend that they're, he's going to be in there very much. This is not a game script that favors them to run the ball. Shane Vereen has been seeing plenty of targets. I just think in a PPR league, you could do much worse than Shane Vereen is like an RB three or flex play. Oh, I totally agree with that. I think the the guy. I mean, what a remarkable like just one week um, face plant for that entire receiving core. <laughs> yeah. We just don't see this happen very often, so right? Bad. Like it's. I mean, if you were a Giants fan that had any hope going into Week Five, that's now completely erased. Um, we just don't see this very often. But clearly, the guys that stand to uh, benefit from it in time will be Shepard, but not this week. Um, and then Evan Ingram and and Shane Vereen is going to have to get more involved. Just because the rest of the receiving core is just, you know, mm-hmm. basically names from the discard pile. So I do think we're probably going to see a little bit more Vereen. He's the, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even trust any Giants, I don't know, skill player this week against Denver. I just think it's a murderous matchup yeah. and a, a beaten team. But uh, uh, the one back that I, that I might even feel best about moving forward is, uh, is Vereen because as, you know, as optimistic as everybody is about Wayne Gallman, I actually think when he's healthy, Darkwa has looked a little bit better. Um, it, the answer is not Paul Perkins, but I, you know I've got no issue with Darkwa, and I can see that as a, a pretty straight rotation rest of season with Vereen having um, the only appealing role in PPR. Mm-hmm. And going back to week one, Shane Vereen did have 10 targets with Odell Beckham out of the lineup. Um, so again, I, I, I just think that he's kind of being overlooked, uh, especially in PPR formats. All right. So let's let's move on to Adrian Peterson. He's obviously playing his first game. I don't know how much we can take away from that. I don't know how much of the offense he has to learn to carry the football this week. But Andy, how do you feel about Adrian Peterson in a home game? I guess you can put the home game in quotes because it's his first game <laughs> in, in Arizona. But how do you feel uh, with him against Tampa Bay? Yeah, we, we have to pretty much be done with the whole Adrian Peterson with a chip on his shoulder thing because that has not paid off over the <laughs> over the past couple of years, right? Like there's no there's no narrative um that I can that I can fully embrace here. Um and then it's a it's a very poor offensive line. Um he doesn't have the diverse skill set of obviously David Johnson, someone like that. Like they're not you you can only use him um in in sort of one lane. Um and he needs a very specific game game flow. I'm I'm not bullish on him this week. I'm not bullish on him this year. I don't have him ranked as a as anything close to an RB two. Um, I'm definitely going to need to see Peterson prove it. I thought you know what first game for New Orleans. I, I thought he had some moments that looked not like the old Adrian Peterson, but like a serviceable right. running back. Right. Um, but it's every week. It's going to have to be a situation where I really think that that uh, he's going to have positive game script. Because um, I again we have all the old problems with Peterson 
position too, right? Like he's not going to be um, much of a receiving threat for that team. That's clearly Ellington. Ellington is clear is obviously the guy mm-hmm. that you're going to want in PPR formats. Um, so I'm not that bullish on him. Um, I, you know, and I, I, I also have a little bit of nostalgia with Peterson. He was like one of my first really big fantasy hits. I loved him early on. Um, part, part of me will always want to see him succeed. Um, like 2007, 2008, Adrian Peterson was just, um, phenomenal breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's gone. That's just gone. So I'm not, I'm not that bullish and it, it does my heart poor to even <laughs> say bad things about him. But yeah, I'm, I'm not interested. I didn't even place any claims for him. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think he's a, he's in the same territory as Frank Gore, maybe a little bit better than Frank Gore, but it's kind of like that same territory. And I'm, I'm with you. It, it, it kind of clouds our judgment sometimes when we've seen a player in their prime, like Adrian Peterson. And yeah. where it's like, if you have someone that's played fantasy just the last two years, like let's say they got into fantasy last year, they're like, <laughs> what is all this? What is all this drama about Adrian Peterson? Like who cares? The guy can't play anymore. Um, so right. I'm with you. He was one of the greatest I've ever seen play the game, but that time has passed. He's playing behind a bad offensive line. And the only running backs that have really succeeded there in Arizona are pass catching running backs. David Johnson isn't yeah. going off for five yards per carry or anything like that. He's, he's, he's working off touchdowns and catching passes out of the backfield. So, um, you know, and I, I would need somebody to convince me that he's, um, a huge step up from Chris Johnson. Right. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I don't see it. I, I see, I see a guy who's probably stepping into roughly the same workload who might be marginally better, but not substantially. Exactly. So. That's exactly what I tweeted out yesterday saying that it's just a slight upgrade over Chris Johnson. You might get a small bump in the numbers and you haven't wanted to play Chris Johnson. So I don't see why you'd want to play Adrian Peterson, right. <laughs> especially with how bad the, the Arizona Cardinals defense has looked, you know, over the last maybe, you know, year. Um, they, they did, they've slowly mm. trended in a bad position. They do play better at home. But yeah, I, I say stay away from Adrian Peterson. Let's get into some running back or some wide receivers. One player that really, it it seems to be a question I've been getting a ton of, and um, it's hard for me to back off of him, because when we talk about guys that are on on the cusp of starting for fantasy teams, what I usually look for out of those players is upside. And the upside that we're looking at with Martavis Bryant is generally higher than it would be with someone like Mike Wallace, right? Um, But the problem is, is that Martavis Bryant hasn't really done anything for fantasy teams outside of one game. But if you're, yeah. you know, Andy and I were talking off the air and the fact that, you know, we, we go through and we watch all these games every single week and and Martavis Bryant is a player who is just it's been a couple inches off from having massive games. And I think that's the way yeah. it is. And he's matching up. He'll see a lot of Terrence Mitchell in this matchup. You know, we talked about him earlier in the show. What do you do with Martavis Bryant? Is he someone that you want to leave on your bench until him and Ben click or would you rather have him in your lineup for that moment when they do click? Yeah, he's he's so exactly like um, I mean, we could describe Deshaun Jackson the same way, yep. right? Like he could very easily have, I don't know, 230 more receiving <laughs> yards this year, you <laughs> yes. know, like just inches feet away from huge field flipping plays. Um, and, and I but they're I mean, they're kind of they're they're dissimilar players in terms of body type and skill set, perhaps. But they're, you know, they function kind of the same way for fantasy purposes. They are huge range of outcome guys. Um, if I felt a little bit more bullish about Ben Roethlisberger, you, you know, mm-hmm. then I would, then I would certainly feel better about Brian. I, I have a ton of Brian shares because I came into this season really optimistic about the Steelers offense. Generally, um, I had not written off Roethlisberger at all. Um, and in fact, felt really, really strongly about, I mean, shoot, coming into the season, Brian was, ba- was nearly a touchdown per game sort of player when he was on the field. So I'm still, I'm still optimistic. I think they can put up a big number against uh against Kansas City um so I like 
I probably own him in eight leagues <laughs> and I'm probably playing him in seven, yep. right? Like I, I'm just, yep. I, I'm, I'm almost a, too great an apologist for Martavis <laughs> to even answer this question. Um, because I, I, like, I like having that third room. Maybe this is, gets into fantasy philosophy a little bit, but I, I like having, allowing my third receiver or that mm-hmm. flex spot to be a guy who I know he's not going to pop every week. And he's, you know, you, you run out of consistent receivers. Yes. So I like having that third receiver just be a guy who, when it clicks, it's 120 yards and two touchdowns versus, hey, he had a big game and it was 66 <laughs> yards and a touchdown, right? Like when when it all goes right for Bryant, um, like there's still a three touchdown game at some point this season. I, f- I feel pretty strongly about that. So I am the guy who is going to keep rolling him out there. I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's why I mentioned it. When you're searching for that, I, I want a lot of upside in that spot. So speaking of upside, let's talk about someone who's probably off fantasy radars for a lot of people, but against New England, it's hard not to think that Robbie Anderson could be a sneaky play. And the reason I say that I know. is because, you know, you think about what the what the Patriots have had issues with this year, and they've had trouble getting to quarterbacks. And if you give Josh McCown time, he's going to take some shots down the field to Robbie Anderson. And you have to think that one of those, he's going to connect on at some point. So is Robbie Anderson worth starting for people that have, you know, maybe they have Doug Baldwin on a bye week or, you know, A.J. Green. There's a lot of there's a lot of big name wide receivers on bye this week. So let's pretend that somebody is struggling to find a, a receiver to plug in. Would you rather have someone like Robbie Anderson or someone like Mike Wallace to plug in your lineup? Um, I my ranks will say that I'm a little bit higher on Wallace, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's just too bullish coming off like his one quality game right. <laughs> of the season. Yeah. Certainly, the the matchup without question is in Anderson's favor, and it's funny I have him I have him in this range in the ranks right now near Wallace and Decker and Sammy Watkins, who I do not like. Yeah, I've currently got Sammy Watkins ahead of him, and I don't buy that at all. <laughs> like that, I'm just I'm such a fraud. I would answer that question ten out of ten times in Anderson's favor. I mean. Um, we, we, I think we mentioned earlier the, the notion that maybe New England's defense got a little bit better last week. Um, but to me, I don't know, like watching that game, Jameis could have had 450 yards if he'd connected on, you know, one throw in particular to Jackson, just had a, just had a terrible game and still ended up with 330, right? The possibility of a big play, maybe two big plays, maybe three big plays to Anderson is just so clear against that New England defense. Um, you, you know, it's, it's hard to talk your into Curse and ASJ and McCown and all these guys, but <laughs> there, I mean, there are going to be points here. It's not that difficult to imagine the Jets getting to 24, 27 points and Anderson being a big part of that. Now, you, we, we, you mentioned Sammy Watkins, obviously. That's that, that was one of the guys I really did want to talk about because after the game, Sammy Watkins was apparently very frustrated with his role. I know, Bobby, you mentioned the whole flu thing. That didn't really come up, but Sammy Watkins did say he's frustrated that he's not getting the targets he wanted. This stupid. Is it they, is so yeah. stupid. Well, this is a player they traded for, okay? He's on a he's, a, he's essentially on a one-year deal, and he gets to choose what he does next year. So I would assume that Sean McVay wants to make this, this guy happy. So... That does that play into it at all? Or are we just too concerned about the matchup with the Jaguars? Because AJ Boye and Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback doing the league. I don't think it's even close. Do they move Sammy Watkins into the slot to avoid those guys? I mean, I don't know how we can trust Sammy Watkins at this point. I'm benching him for guys like, you know, like Robbie Anderson, Martavis Bryant, 100%. They don't care about getting Sammy Watkins targets. They're throwing <laughs> the ball to Tyler Higby. They don't care what they're not going to move him into the slot. 
I love Sammy Watkins. There is no way I'm playing him against Jacksonville. It's not even close. I don't have him in my top 40 this week. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like his whole job this week is going to be to occupy like Ramsey and they're never going to look his way. I mean, he's been just an afterthought over the last couple of, what is it, 17 yards uh, over the last two weeks after the big game against San Francisco. This is, you know, he's going to have games again this year, but it but it ain't happening here yeah. against Jacksonville. There's just no place well, to hide. So you think Ramsey is better than Boye? Because I think it's the other way around. Oh, I think Boye is number yeah, one and Ramsey is around number four or five. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean to put those two into a, a any sort of okay. hierarchical <laughs> arrangement. I mean, they're both great, right? I mean, this is this is yeah, this is like phenomenal. facing you know peak Denver defense where there's just no place to hide. Um, and yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Boye, Ramsey, whatever. He, you know, he's he's going to face a lockdown corner this week. And JJ just tweeted out uh, from numberfire.com. He just tweeted out the Jags have given up five point five points. To quarterbacks this year, and the uh, Patriots have given up 25 points per game to, uh, to quarterbacks. So there's a huge difference there. By the way, I am back. So what happened is my power went out, and there was a boom right across the street when it happened. And I went to go turn on my phone so I could, t- you know, tell tags, "Hey, man, my power went out," and the phone was off because I always turn it off for these shows. And I thought, "Oh no, there was an EMP attack." I was pretty frightened. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby thought there was an EMP attack. This is fantastic. Bobby, yeah. so in case you missed it, we talked about Mark Davis Bryant. We, yeah, we <laughs> talked about Mark Davis Bryant. We talked about Robbie Anderson, obviously Sammy Watkins. Who's the next wide receiver you have on your list that you're trying to figure out whether or not we should start this week? Jerome Brown. I mean, he had one good week and everyone thought, you know, he's a pretty good play this week. And then John Brown came back. Um, now we're dealing with him going and getting Adrian Peterson. I'm just not so sure what to think about Jerron Brown. Right now his ECR is number 41 going up against the Bucks. I'm not playing him, but it's close. I think it's interesting. I think that Jerron Brown deserves consideration uh, as a wide receiver for uh, kind of like in that range. And, you know, I, I know that he like he didn't have a good week last week. Uh, six. He had six targets, but it was, it was a really weird game for them. Carson Palmer wasn't on his game. Their entire offense seemed like it was just off, like it just didn't work last week. And someone mentioned a stat about how Arizona, I think it was Mike. Yeah, Mike, we had on the show on Monday uh, from the fantasy footballers. He had mentioned that the Cardinals just really struggle when they when they travel to the East Coast and play in, in the noon game. So that might be there might be something to it. But this is still a wide receiver who's seen uh, 29 targets over the previous three weeks. And he had he had scored at least 7.3 standard fantasy points in each of those games. So I don't think we can entirely wipe him out. But I, I will say that it is concerning for his stability that John Brown did play more snaps last week. So he's clearly fallen into the number three wide receiver role, but they do run a lot of three wide receiver sets. So I still think that he remains in the wide receiver four radar. He just doesn't offer the upside that maybe someone like, you know, Robbie Anderson or like Tyrell Williams does. Yeah. Some other guys I had written down that I can't make up my mind on Willie Sneed, Tyrell Williams, who you mentioned and Jeremy Macklin. Are, are any of these must starts or must sits for you, Andy? Um, no, actually, not. <laughs> like they don't, there's nobody who jumps out as a must start to me. Certainly not Macklin. Certainly not. I mean, I don't, I could build a case for Willie Sneed, but we'd like to see it once first. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. For real. Yep. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to rank a guy like that, uh, who's been absent for so long in, in inside the top 45 really. So I, I mean, I, I can see any of them as a viable play in a difficult bye week but n- none of them jump out to me as absolute must start material. You guys don't like, I actually like Tyrell Williams this week. I think Oakland, if they struggle against anything, it's against like the deep ball. They've really struggled uh, like at the safety position. Their cornerbacks are not known to be anything great. And I mentioned last week that Tyrell Williams was a sit uh, going against the Giants and that he was going to see a lot of Janoris Jenkins. 
He had one catch for 22 yards. People are going to be off of him. But, you know, before that game, he had 13 targets in the two games prior. I think Tyrell Williams is actually a solid start against Oakland because, yeah, TJ Carey has played better ball than I think anybody expected, and he'll match up with Keenan Allen. It's not like you're fading Keenan Allen or anything like that, but I do think that Tyrell Williams is an interesting play as someone who can get downfield. And, you know, Andy and I were talking, Bobby, when your your EMP attack was going on, (laughs) Um, but we had talked about wide receiver three, wide receiver four guys in that rather than playing someone like Mike Wallace, who's extremely boring or someone like, you know, Jermaine curse, maybe I would rather play somebody with the upside of like Tyrell Williams Huge because he, he's one of those sure. guys. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to, he's not going to win you your week every week, but when he goes off, it's going to be for like over a hundred yards and a touchdown or two. Would you play him over like Danny Amendola against the jets, Marvin Jones at new Orleans, or maybe even Randall Cobb at Minnesota? I don't think I put him over those guys, unfortunately. Amendola, depending if it was a standard league, probably. If it's PPR, no. Um, But the other guys, Randall Cobb is, you know, he's seeing a lot of targets. Like, it's impossible to bench him. He's like an every week wide receiver three. Boy, if if you're not going to start Marvin Jones here uh, at New Orleans, I don't know when when you're going to start him. him. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's move on over to tight end and close it out. Um, the one guy I want to talk about this week is Ryan Griffin. He's not very good, but Cleveland yeah. is just so <laughs> bad against tight ends. Like, he's in the conversation. Do you start him, Andy? Uh, I have him ranked as a fringy starter right now. Yeah, there's uh, there's this whole collection of guys who just have super friendly matchups. This, uh, you know, Griffin is one of them. AJ Derby is another one um, where, where the matchup is just so beautiful um, that I had to rank them as plausible starters. I don't think Griffin is even as talented as, say, Fedorowicz when he's right. But uh, again, Cleveland has been so tight end friendly that, yeah, I think he is definitely, especially again, as we get into the buys and, you know, we we have the Kelsey situation to worry about. We have Gronk's health to worry about. We have all kinds of things to worry about at the tight end position. Um, I I think Griffin is definitely in play. So would you like if you have Cameron Braid on your team and he's going against Arizona, who's exceptional against tight ends, would you drop a Braid to pick up Ryan Griffin just to stream for one week? Uh, no, I'm not dropping Braid. I think Braid is going to be a real thing uh, rest okay. of season. You know, uh, it, it's one of those situations where he's just such a, a sort of goal to go security blanket for Winston last year that I wouldn't I wouldn't drop him. Um, I can imagine starting one of these guys over, you know, either Derby or Griffin over him this week, but I wouldn't I wouldn't kick him to the curb. Three straight weeks with a touchdown, four plus receptions. He's uh, he's safe. Here's a question for you. This is a legitimate question, believe it or not. AJ Derby. Or Ryan Griffin, AJ Derby Derby is going against the Giants. And by the way, so the Giants, they've played five games. (laughs) This is important. They played five games. They've allowed six tight ends to finish his top 12. (laughs) No way, man. That is incredible. What a stat. I kid you not. Yeah, they, I mean, even Eric Ebron finishes the tight end seven against them, which is obviously saying something. The Giants have so many other holes in their team, and there, there's so many other options on the Denver squad. Like, you have to worry about Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, C.J. Anderson, Jamal Charles, where A.J. Derby kind of goes under the radar, and he had his biggest game before the bye week. I, I just feel yeah. like that Virgil Green needs to slowly fall down the totem pole, and A.J. Derby continues to see more and more targets. Do you think A.J. Derby is, is streamer-worthy this week, Andy? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got I, he's like eighth in my ranks right right now um so Whoa, I, so I, certainly, man. I love it love yeah it. you know i'm trying to i'm trying to build a little more brad evans into my ranking game right when i like a guy i, I try to express <laughs> that, that fully 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you nailed it. It's six touchdowns already, uh, by tight ends against the, against the giants. It's, it's every week. Um, and I see no reason why Derby can, I, I think you hit the other key point there, which is that he, he had a really nice game for them immediately before the buy. So he was already coming on. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a, I think he's basically a no doubter this week. Guys, I don't want to, but we do have to talk about Ed Dixon. What do we do with him? 175 receiving yards. What is this? Like, is he the real deal? No, put him in the garbage. Seriously. Just don't, don't pick him up. ECR number 14. Like people are saying, Hey, he's maybe a start. I want to put him around 20, but I'm wondering if there's something I'm missing here. No, no. Philadelphia has been really good against tight ends um, over the past couple of years. Ever since, uh, well, since Doug Peterson arrived, they've been really good against tight ends. He comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree, who is always good against tight ends. They've only allowed one tight end to finish inside the top 12 this year, and that was Travis Kelsey, who is Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Um, Ed Dixon's not very good. Yeah, here's a here's a fun fact. As we as we speak right at this moment, Ed Dixon has been added in three hundred thirteen thousand three hundred sixty Yahoo leagues. <laughs> oh, poor um, people. Yeah, I mean, you are about. I think you're about to get the harsh lesson in like Ed Dixon has had big opportunities before and usually fumbles them away. Um, not he's just not a handsy receiver, right? Like he's just a very very poor receiver who yeah. happened to have a really nice game. Um, it, and keep in mind, he only had five, five targets. targets. That's the it's other thing. Like yeah, had, yeah, yeah. It's it wasn't a big game, but one one player I do want to mention before we kind of get out of here, Austin Hooper. I think has a real opportunity with uh, Mohamed Sanu out. Uh, you saw Julio Jones and Sanu leave the game uh, before their bye week, and I think this is an opportunity to involve him more in the offense because Hooper only saw two targets in each of the first three games, but then when Jones and Sanu went out, he saw seven targets. He really produced with them. He he produces when given the opportunity, and considering that Taylor Gabriel's not a possession type guy julio jones just he doesn't he, he doesn't get targeted like antonio brown it's just and not, who knows if he's happen. gonna leave after like a quarter and a half because he has a, a boom boom <sighs> oh god stop stop i can't take it anymore <laughs> i don't want to talk bad about my guy um but but austin hooper is uh i think he's a solid play i'm not playing him but uh you know i, I think he's in that range i've got him number 16 right now i play more ed dixon yeah. oh oh yeah I, yeah definitely yes um, hunter henry must start against oakland i know people are a little worried about this one but i just want to get that out there do you do? Does anybody want to mention George Kittle? Oh, that's George Kittle's my guy. Come oh, really? On. Iowa legend George Kittle. Sure, that's my guy. <laughs> Good matchup this week. Washington's really struggled against tight ends. Every single one that's played him has finished as a top yeah, eleven they're, option. They're bottom three against tight ends this year. That's a good call, and they're giving him the ball. Seven receptions last week. Yeah, he had his breakout, and he was he was running a lot of routes before that. Like in my primer, I was saying his snap his snap count was increasing, so it was something that we should have kind of seen coming, especially with the lack of options at wide receiver that the 49ers have. I mean, Marquise Goodwin, we're not going to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pierre Garcon, possession style receiver, yeah. sure, but he's not he's not going to score eight touchdowns or anything. So I think George Kittle is a real thing this week against. Washington. I also think just just sort of long term, um, long range this season. Whenever they find, if they ever make the move to C.J. Beathard, now you're talking about a guy who will be working with you know college teammates, right? They spent like three years together at Iowa, so. Um, they already have built-in rapport, so um, you can expect Kittle to be a prime target um, when and if Beathard takes over. That's a good call, Andy. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show. Uh, th- thanks for being patient with my, my EMP attack, and I'm glad I'm <laughs> back with you and not you know eating all my melted ice cream before it, uh, it, it's worthless. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, Andy. 
Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I always have fun when Andy hops yeah. on the show. It, I think this episode was a blast. We talked about Bobby Shorts. We talked about EMP <laughs> attacks. We we hit on some uh, we hit on some start decisions that people have had. We talked about clothes. It, it was it was a good episode. Yeah, I had a lot good. of fun this one. All right, and for those of you listening at home, we do have the DFS show coming up later this week, so make sure to tune in for that. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Remember, we're giving away a free year subscription, and if you've already got the subscription, you get next year free. So go ahead and send your reviews and subscriptions on iTunes to us. Take a screenshot at contest at fantasypros.com. Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, bombfell.com slash fantasypros, and make sure to enter that DraftKings contest for free, fantasypros.com slash DraftKings. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.